Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics podcast. Today, we've got a repeat guest, Rhett Grammatbauer. Rhett joined us earlier, a um, couple episodes ago, to talk about his book, 25,000 Miles to Glory, which is a, again, I, I struggle to find words for it, but the story of an epic journey across the NFL landscape. All 30, 31 stadiums, 32 teams, 16 weeks, and one VW bus. And so what I love about, uh, what I love about Rhett is that Rhett is, um, Rhett's a guy that can talk NFL fandom beyond beyond really most people. You know, he's actually gone out and lived it, traveled it, drove it, right? Right, absolutely. Did our best. And, and so what I wanted to do, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes, but, you know, as the NFL season ends, in t- full disclosure, we're doing this a little bit before the end of the NFL season. So we may get some of this stuff wrong. But I wanted to do a bit of an NFL let's say, NFL playoff and Super Bowl preview in terms of the fan bases, in terms of who's going to be watching and paying extra attention. You know, so, Rhett, in a way, and and I don't even know if you view it this way, I I feel like you've studied these fan bases up close. You've kind of lived with these guys just for maybe a couple days at a time. Well, I've focused on it more from an economic perspective in terms of, you know, I'll use phrases like willingness to attend and spend. Okay, So I think we've got a couple of different perspectives on this. So as we go into the NFL postseason, maybe some of the most exciting stuff in all of sports still, who do you think's going to be, uh, and like I said, we're doing this a few weeks before the end of the seasons, but who, who, do, you see, um, who do you see making the playoffs? You have to go with the the nine and one teams like Kansas City. Okay, so uh, now you know exactly when we're doing this one. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the Rams, the Saints are going to be there. Those teams would be hard to miss on. Uh, the Patriots are going to win the division again. Mm-hmm. And then you look at some of the outliers. The NFC East is a complete mess. Thursday, as, as they play more divisional games, it'll it'll iron itself out. But the Eagles have been a disappointment this year, from Super Bowl champs to. Struggling. Struggling, about 500, right? Yeah. And then you look at Minnesota, who was in the championship game last year, and they're not doing as well, even though they improved, by most accounts, their quarterback play. So it's going to be interesting. It, it seems like uh, this year seems a little bit different, where we have 
four teams that are really, really good, four or five teams, and then the rest could make the playoffs, but they're not in real contention to win the Super Bowl. Well, from a from a marketing perspective, from a branding perspective, I think we've got an interesting mix. We've got some NFL royalty, and by NFL royalty, I mean the Steelers, the well, I don't know. As I say NFL royalty, it's like I want to say the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Giants. But, you know, we've got some NFL royalty, and then we've got the Steelers probably still in play this year, um, and the Patriots. I always actually hesitate right before I say the Patriots are NFL royalty because it's surprising to me how often I get pushback on that, that these are fair-weather bandwagon fans. Well, it, it's it's interesting <laughs> they, to me. They've been on the bandwagon for 20 years now, folks. <laughs> right. So it's interesting to me because I remember the Patriots were an afterthought. The Bears killed them in, in Super Bowl twenty, I think it was. Yeah, defensive linemen scoring touchdowns. Yeah, and it was, you know, Steve Grogan was always decent, but, you know, and they had Craig James as a running back, but it wasn't. It wasn't anything substantial. You never considered them royalty. And now I think you have to put them there because they've won Super Bowl after Super Bowl, and, and Tom Brady is royalty for sure. They've, and look, I mean, you're a Cowboys fan. I'm a Steelers fan by youth. They're the dominant team for the last 20 years. Sure, without question. sure. So, yeah, so in most people's lifetime, they are royalty. Yeah. I think it's an interesting mix because so we've got that kind of NFL royalty um, in terms of the brands. Um, then we've got some teams from, let's almost want to say, sort of mid-markets like Kansas City, where hardcore fans, but smaller places. Smaller places. And even, you know, Chicago is on the bubble, I would think, of, of NFL royalty because they've only got one Super Bowl. But I believe they may be the winningest franchise in all of NFL history. So, And they're doing really well this year. But like I say, they, they have limited success in the postseason as a franchise, so it's kind of interesting um, where they fit in. But their fan base is as rabid as any. Yeah, well, and then you've got some interesting ones, too. And really interesting if you've got some uh, a historical perspective on these fan bases, you know, the Saints. The Saints, yeah. And, and there may be no more important team in the NFL to their community than the mm-hmm. Saints because of what they've been through together. And Drew Brees, you know, has meant so much to that community and done so much by... But but historically, do you remember the paper bags and the uh, Aints? Yeah, it was it was terrible. I always thought they had cool cool helmets mm-hmm. and they were relatively close to us, but uh, being in Texas, but yeah, they were they were atrocious. And then even a couple of other ones which are actually even hard for me to get my head around them in terms of the fans are the Rams and the, the Chargers perhaps. The Rams are an interesting an interesting bunch because there's so much other stuff to do in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, <laughs> they've historically not been a very supportive NFL city. No, I, I love when you say that because one of the things I've always noticed when I've done fan base analyses is there does seem to be a warm weather effect. Yeah. It's like a sunshine effect. It, where you're going to have to win to pe- put people in the seats. If you don't, they're going to find something else to do with their time. Let's talk. So we got an interesting group. We don't have a ton of time, so let's sort of just walk through these fan bases, um, go through a few of them in a little bit more detail to sort of talk about our general impression. So Rat is... Well, I don't want to put words in uh, words in your mouth in terms of describing you. I, I think of you as almost taking a, you know, an anthropological perspective on this, or a documentary filmmaker perspective on this. So it's like you want to, you're sort of geared towards like living with these folks, or sort of that kind of 
getting to know them? Is that, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of bungling this. So how do you think about your approach to studying fandom? And maybe you don't think about what you do as studying fandom, but. No, I, I do. It was from a perspective of being curious, but some people invited us to their houses. Some people invited us to their tailgates. So I got, I got an inside look at a lot of different fan bases from different perspectives. Um, okay. and, and like I mentioned, the, the t-shirt wearers to the face painters and, you know, okay. the people that become characters. And I, and I think that's, that's, you know, so you get to know them on a human level. Is that fair? Fair. Okay. Yeah, very fair. Okay. So let's just start with them. Um, let's start with my one of my fa- my favorite fan base, the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They're really great fans. Rats a cowboy fan. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's tough. The, I mean, the, it's, the words escape. I have a deep appreciation for the terrible towel. So it's, it's a great stadium. It's a great city. It, I mean, one of the things that I love, about, and not to step on you, but one of the things I love about studying fandom is just the intensity. And it is legitimately hard to say something nice about. Well, I'll also say this when, I, when I'm teaching classes. Like, fandom is about sort of love for a team. But then I'll also say, you know, also, you know, can you guess what, what team I use to sort of look at the other side of love in terms of, like, love's important. But there's also this thing of hate that seems to help. If it's like everybody else in the country, it's the Cowboys. Well, I, see, I'm, when I'm teaching, I'm not just doing the NFL, so I actually throw up Duke basketball. Oh, yeah. Very, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a very black and white issue. Yeah. yeah. And, and so this kind of thing is like, got to have this appreciation, but it's tough. So Steelers fans. Steelers fans, very blue collar, very family oriented. They are diehard. And, and I don't think it's just because of what they won in the 70s and you know, their success recently. I think it's, I think it's just something you grow up with and you don't know any different and Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't know any different because you're in Pittsburgh and you're proud of Pittsburgh. And I think it's more of a Steelers are just symbolic of, of the area that they grow up in. So the Steelers are symbolic of that whole city. Yeah, absolutely. That they're a focal point for the city. That's an interesting point. And and it's, I I think they could do no better than to have that team as uh, exemplary of their, their city. I think it's, that's an interesting way to potentially look at fandom. It's like, so you take a city and then you ask them, tell me things about Pittsburgh. Would the Steelers be, you know, how often would the Steelers be the top of mind concept, right? So is it yeah. some of these cities, is that the number one thing? Yeah. And, and it, it, I think, I don't know if, if it's the way they play football and their brand of football and the characters that they had when I was growing up symbolized yeah. Pittsburgh to me. Well, and how, you know, one of the things I th- I'm always fascinated by this is how do you keep that almost this idea that the players on the field are consistent with the brand image? Is that uh, maybe the fans mold them. Yeah. They're consistent with the brand image for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. I don't know. But it, but if you say Pittsburgh to me, I instantly think black and gold. Okay. How does every time the Steelers bringing a guy on defense, he becomes a tough, I guess he either becomes a tough guy or he leaves, he right? Leaves, yeah. Whereas every time the, and again, the, God, no, no offense intended really, but every time the Cleveland brings in a guy to play quarterback, he falls apart. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sort of the magic of these organizations. Yeah. Well, and you got people like Jack Lambert, you got Elsa okay. Greenwood, you got Mean Joe Green. I mean, they all, you know, we had Ed Two Tall Jones. That's a nice nickname. You guys had <laughs> Mean Joe Green, you know? Well, and, you know, and, and part of the reason why I want to start with the Steelers is, you know, as a marketing guy, does any NFL team do branding? As, and I don't even know if they're trying to do it on purpose. But is there any team that does branding better than the Steelers in some ways? I mean, as a Cowboy fan, maybe we could say the, sort of the almost the mirror image of them. 
yeah. sort of reversed, right? Yeah, they're sort of reversed. No, I don't think so. And and the Steelers do a great job of coordinating their fans mm-hmm. outside of Pittsburgh. And so anywhere you go, you're going to find Steelers fans. Yeah, there was a famous uh, game down here, I think four or five years ago, where the Steelers fans turned uh, the old Georgia Dome black and gold during a Falcons game. Yeah, that, that can easily be any city, really, because yeah. uh, there's that many Steelers fans across the country. There's a Steelers bar, a Steelers bar in every city. Yeah, you know, they are the uh, the the exodus, or the you know the uh, <laughs> as the people from Pittsburgh have flooded the the Sun Belt. The Steeler fan base became a national brand. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and they don't their their fandom doesn't waver. I mean. Kind of like we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. You're born into it, and you just can't escape it. No matter if you're in Atlanta, you're not going to become a Falcons fan because you're so proud of your team and your area and where you came from. Okay. So it's almost like as a marketing, so it's sort of the the true blue-collar fandom of excellence in a way for the Steelers. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's almost impossible. Uh, when I went to a Steelers game, it's, it's almost impossible not to like the Steelers when you're mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. And that's coming from a Cowboys fan. I didn't sit there and go, man, will this game end? I hate these guys. <laughs> it was like, this is something to see. I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the next one. Patriots fans. That's going to be an interesting topic because the game I went to was about four degrees above zero. But the guy that we interviewed, he talked about putting a, a, a Patriots hat on his head when he was first born. So he never had a chance to do this either. Mm-hmm. I think now that they've experienced success... I think they've grown in numbers, and I think they've become a little bit more... Established. Established, but a little more arrogant, maybe, mm-hmm. towards their, their teams. So, yeah. Well, I can tell you, I think um, you know, I, I think Boston, quantitatively, is the best sports town in America. Sure. When I look at, whenever I run the numbers, it doesn't matter the league. Red Sox, near the top. Celtics, near the top. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's another pride thing, too. They, they've got the accent, they've got the... Well, I'll, I'll say this, you know, so when talking about the Patriots, and, and I mean, as we were leading up to this, I think we, we've got similar background with the Patriots of almost, you know, I remember them from the, the Super Bowl with the, the Bears, and they, they were never the team that was going to be featured, no, let's say. No, But I think one of the things that's happened over time is um, that they have become an, an excellent brand in and of themselves, and it, it adds to, I, one of the things I think that enabled them to do that was that Boston is just a phenomenal sports town. Great sports town. I mean, you know, the Red Sox, the Celtics, the the Bruins, the Bruins even, if we want to go into hockey, that is a city where people, and again, I think where there are Boston sports fans, and they support every every team in that city sort of equally. In some cities, I think, you know, you're this kind of fan or you're that kind of fan, but I think there's some cities where people love all the teams. Yeah. Well, Boston's definitely one of those. It's going to be interesting to see when Tom Brady retires and maybe Bill Belichick leaves, if that regresses more to the the Patriots. To the historical view of it? because they've they've had an excellent run. It's it's kind of like the Spurs with Tim Duncan. They've had a a great run, and, and there's a huge amount of support for the Spurs. But now they're going to experience life without a superstar, and maybe the coach is leaving, and that sort of thing. So when that happens, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Well, and this is where I think sports and uh, the idea of thinking about sports as marketing, as brands, is really kind of an interesting one, right? In that, how long does it take to become excellent? 
to yeah. become an excellent brand. I mean, you know, a, a team pops up and wins a championship. Is that enough to take them to the next level? I, I think it helps, but is it enough? How many, how many, how much winning do you have to do over time to become something that is loved forever? Well, and you bring up Boston. How much, how much of the brand of the Patriots is Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. And how much of it is actually the New England Patriots? Brady, Belichick, and then the Patriots, right? Yeah. You know? So so something similar kind of happened, I guess, when the Celtics were good in the 80s. Larry Bird was the face of the franchise. The Celtics lore has kind of fallen back since they don't have that front person. They, they did win a championship with Kevin Garnett, mm-hmm. but the NBA is a greatly different place than it used to be. That's actually a really nice point to make about going across the leagues because, you know, for the most part, the, the NBA has always been that star league. Right. Right, where who's the best team? And, you know, when you think about the NBA, who do you, probably people are going to say LeBron, right? Right. Whereas I think in the NFL, it's always been much more of a team game. I mean, you know, in terms of individuals, is Tom Brady the biggest star in the NFL? Must be, right? I would think so. Yeah, he's, he's the closest thing to a Michael Jordan, LeBron James yeah, and so I I agree with you, right? LeBron, Cleveland had a lot of fans last year, didn't they? They did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the Cavaliers, that is. Sure. And when LeBron left, those fans left, right? Like Miami had a lot of fans, right? Yeah. And, oh. then, and then Cleveland had a lot of fans. Yeah, they follow the they follow the one player, you know. And then there are some towns that football championships mean would mean so much more than basketball championships or baseball championships i don't know if boston's one of those chicago uh the bears are doing well this year i think a bears super bowl would mean far more than those six titles that that jordan won i think that's fair let's sort of get to the bears in just a second so the other afc team that i think we got to talk about is kansas city kansas city is a fantastic place to go to a game it's Tremendous fans. We met fans that had been there since they moved the Dallas Texans to Kansas City. And, and Kansas City is intertwined with the NFL because of Lamar Hunt. He's the one that came up with the Super Bowl. He's the one that owned Kansas City Chiefs, and now his son owns them. But they embrace... They haven't been back to it. The, the one Super Bowl, right, and a defeat in the late, the late 60s. Yeah, so, so well, and then there's the NFL Films piece where Hank Stram's marching up and encouraging his team to matriculate down the field. I think they won Super Bowl three, if I'm not mistaken. So I think they do have one Super Bowl win. But it's a fan base that's it's kind of isolated because Kansas City is the Midwest, and, you know, it, it's just such a fabric of the community. Is the okay, Chiefs. so this is a team that's a fabric of the community kind of team. Yeah. So Kansas City only um, there's a Royals too, right? Right. So, um, and, and Kansas City could suffer a little bit from what St. Louis suffers from, and that's being a baseball town, because the Royals seem like a very important part of Kansas City as well. It's just the notoriety of going to Arrowhead, being known as a really loud stadium, and it, it was an extremely loud stadium. But I, I think the fans take pride in being a Chiefs fan from Kansas City and all that Arrowhead is. It's a very distinct place. Uh, the barbecue, mm-hmm. um, they're famous for that. So I think Kansas City, the, the fan base is longing, because they've always been on the cusp. Even, even growing up, they've always been relatively good. Yeah. Just not taking that next step. And may, I, maybe this year, they and, and they have a coach that has failed over and over and over again of taking that next step in Andy Reid. So maybe they get over the hump together this year. And I think that's a really good way to put it, that it's like, um, so if we talk about how you build a how you build a brand, it's Steelers, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. 
the Patriots, Tom Brady, and a you know really a kind of a historic run. The Chiefs, I think my stereotype would be that they're a nine and seven team. Yeah, yeah, you know? a wild card team. They're a ten and six team that then is going to fall back to six and ten the, yeah. the next year. Yeah, and if you ask me to name all-time great Kansas City Chiefs players. Something going to, I mean, what's the... Yeah, well, you uh, not as a Chief, but Joe Montana and Marcus okay. Allen, but that's not fair because they weren't really... Right, right. So, it, so it's an incredibly interesting brand because I think most of the time these brands are, you know, it's about Super Bowls and it's about Hall of Famers. Right. You know, it's about the name on the jersey that people are wearing to the game or it's about the, you know, the the fact that, you know, you mentioned the, the Bulls... Uh, and the Bears runs, and I, you know, I grew up in Chicago, and God, that city was nuts for the Bears in '85. Mm-hmm. And then when the Bulls won those championships, again, that city was nuts for it. And so it's like I, I almost remember, like I can almost remember sort of what I was doing in my daily life when those things were happening. So it's like those, the intensity of those experiences, even if you're not in the game, just living in the city, is what builds that affinity. So Kansas City is interesting that they've got a lot of that without those people or events. Yeah, I think it's built on generational for them. And it was a point of pride way back in the day when they yeah. took the Texans. So Maybe community is the key for Kansas City. Yeah. This is a community-based brand. Right? I, yeah, I think so. And what do you think? But um, this year, I mean, they could be really an interesting fan base too because this year, do the stars align? Because who's the this this young quarterback? Yeah. Um, well, I've watched him at Texas Tech, so he's always been pretty good. I think he's he, had some moments though where he looks like he's the best player in the league right now. Yeah, which is scary because he's only in his second year. Yeah. Uh, but he's got a lot of weapons around him too. They're going to be tough. The Patriots beat him. A lot of speed. A, a lot, lot of speed. speed. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I do like Kansas City's chances. I, I like to see it because I yeah. I think they deserve something <clears throat> positive. It is a. It's an interesting. I'll also say as a marketing guy, it's an interesting thing though. With like Kansas City making it, you know, how does that fan base respond? What happens for that team long term? Yeah, and how does how does a winning long term expand that brand beyond mm-hmm. Kansas City? Because you see it with college teams, and and yeah. they're winning. And but even that, you know, even that's tough. Like, how do you expand a brand? You know, Kansas City might be the constraint on that. Well, but you, it's interesting because the Golden State Warriors have always been terrible. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't be able to find a Golden State jersey or shirt anywhere in the country other than maybe San Francisco and Oakland. And now you come anywhere and people are wearing Curry jerseys. I got a theory on that one. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, my, my theory on Golden State is that it was actually kind of, it's like the rise of the tech billionaires. That that's really, you know, so it was like, you know, happily finding a Steph Curry. Right, you know, what do we call it? You know, star number two or three in the NBA, combined with that amazing growth in terms of the the wealth of that area. Because one of the things I think that I tend to see is that when I'm looking at the economics of fandom, it's it's not even so much let's say how much money people make on average. It's like the concentration of truly rich people in an area. Yeah, economics plays a role in it. So uh, you know, some of these towns like Pittsburgh and Cleveland. They probably spend more of their income supporting mm-hmm. their team than other areas where it's, you know, it's the thing to do, but I've got plenty of money, so why not? Yeah. Okay, so switching over to the to the other side of it, and like I said, you know, hopefully we get some hopefully we get a lot of this right. 
So again, some really interesting. We talked a little bit about the Bears. The Bears are winning the uh, the Bears are winning the NFC Central right now. Uh, NFC North. NFC North. They're, <laughs> Sorry, they're, no, no Centrals anymore. I don't believe. Isn't that uh, Isn't that great though? In terms of how you get frozen into yeah. what things were when you're uh, when you're I, a I kid. knew exactly what you were talking yeah. about. Um, <laughs> and and so you you referenced that you thought the Bears were in a football town more than anything else. Yeah, I think I think. The Bears are just a legendary team. and The Bears? The Bears, yeah. that's right. Uh, and even I, back in 85, bought a 45 of the Super Bowl shuffle. That's how much winning and likable that team was. So I can't imagine what it was like in Chicago. I always wonder about that because living in Chicago, it did seem like somehow that the Bears were going to win that Super Bowl by about week four or five of that season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, I mean, just think about how audacious that was to cut a record, the Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I remember the only game they lost that year was to Miami and Dan Marino. On a Monday night, right? On a Monday night. And a lot of fluke things had to happen for Miami to to win that game. So they, they could have been undefeated easily. Yeah. You know, but and it's interesting, right? So the Bears, again, I, you know, like growing up in Chicago, it's hard not to really – Love the Bears. I, I don't put the Bears in the NFL royalty category, though. You know, they, they strike me as sort of, you know, almost the next level. And yeah. I think that's just because of the lack of historical success. Like, I mean, look, but I mean, from my perspective, I would tell you, well, the Bears just won a Super Bowl. You go, dude, that was 1985. <laughs> you know what? And you even forget about the Super Bowl they played in against the Colts. Yeah, you do. It's, it's forgettable. Rex Grossman is forgettable, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it even seemed forgettable at the time that it was happening. Uh, yeah, the whole Super Bowl was forgettable, and it was raining, and it was in Miami. It was just kind of a disinteresting kind of deal. But I think you're right that that is one of those, uh, that's a fan base that is just primed to explode if they can have a a, a dominant team going forward. Yeah, I think they're on the uptick, so that's good to see. Because there, there are teams that in every sport that it's important for them to be good, for the mm-hmm. sport to be good. I think the Bears are one of those teams. Absolutely. I mean, I think in, in some ways as we're talking about who's, you know, doing well, you know, the NFL finds itself in a little bit of a quandary this year. And, you know, some of this is good, right, for it to go back and forth. And I don't know how things have gone on. You know, it's like for a while there we were getting reports every week that, you know, the ratings were down because of the protests or, you know, because of the presidential election. I, I don't know if, I almost suspect they've rebounded because I don't feel like I'm hearing that that much noise about it. But, you know, part of the issue could always be too, is like, well, who's actually winning at any moment? Yeah. Right. So it's great in the near term, maybe in the long term, it's a problem, but for almost any league, you want to want to have L.A. playing Chicago or Boston playing, you know, New York. In, in terms of, that's going to make your league pop. It's just where the it's just where the brand, but the powerful brands are. Yeah, you you either need to have somebody to root for or root against. Mm-hmm. And so those teams seem to be the, the Packers. If they're good, people love to hate the Packers. Yeah, great iconic brand. Yeah, yeah. So to me, they're almost like the. Uh, they're almost the, the, just the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the other side, right? Yeah, absolutely. So talking about the um, other sort of NFC teams that are kind of crushing it this year, the New Orleans Saints, what do you think of that fan base? You know, we've talked a lot about community, but because of Hurricane Katrina and everything that happened with the Superdome and the Saints, and they were talking about moving to San, San Antonio, and, and then to get Drew Brees when they did and and I don't know if you remember watching it but the night the Superdome opened they were playing the Falcons and Steve Gleason blocked the punt and so they recover it touchdown 
anyway, the, the Saints go on to win the game. We interviewed three or four different people in different scenarios, and they all said, when he blocked that punt, we thought we could rebuild this city. Mm. And so you kind of understand. And we talked about, hey, the city is a better place to live in when the Bears are winning or when whoever is winning. That's probably on the extreme side of we just needed a little bit of hope, and the Saints provided hope. So I think there's no... A focal point for the community. uh, Yeah. And so I don't think there's a better example of how important an NFL team or a sports team is to a community than New Orleans. That's interesting to me because in some ways that um, for some of these smaller markets, Kansas City and New Orleans, the teams can almost play a little bit of a different role. And, And you can feel it when I go to different cities. If their team is winning, then it's just a better place. It's just a better atmosphere. So the the Saints are interesting, and I'll, just from a historical perspective, when I think about the Saints, I think of you know the the paper bags on the heads in the stadium, and so it's interesting in that Hurricane Katrina was almost the um, so rather than a Super Bowl that kind of brought it together, it was a disaster that sort of teed it up for a Super Bowl to bring it together, and then you add an iconic figure like Drew Brees, who I think is, if anything, even with how well regarded he is, he's almost underappreciated in terms of what he's done. But Super Bowl, you know, community, championships, iconic players, that's the recipe to, um, you know, building a fan base. I don't think people can understand how almost impossible it was to build a winner in New Orleans. And then they've come and done it. And and Drew Brees will probably have a statue somewhere in in New Orleans somewhere because of what he's meant to that, that city, even more than the team small little anecdote on the saints i remember when we first started when i first started doing these um these uh fan base analyses i think the first year we did it the uh the falcons performed poorly um you know maybe they're bottom two or three in the league and the saints performed great you know we had top five in the league and i remember that the i think the new orleans paper is called the picayune mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm saying that mm-hmm. right and the headline on the sports section was something about Saints finished fifth and Falcons finished 28th or 29th. So they were so, they were, seemed equally happy to be in the top five as to have Atlanta in the bottom five. Another important thing about these fan bases, I think, is they truly appreciate being recognized. Yeah. And so. Which, which is absolutely fascinating to me. It's like, why, you know, when I do these analyses, I'm not talking about the team. Yeah. I'm talking about the fan support, but yeah. God, people are passionate about it. Absolutely. And it's it's interesting because when they found out what we were doing, going to every stadium to, to live as one of them, they bent over backwards to show us a good time. Because mm-hmm. it, it was totally innocent. It was totally, hey, we just want to be here because we think you have something to offer. I mean, and, you know, Buffalo, fantastic. People will ask where the best fan bases are in Buffalo, Cleveland. If you want to have a good time, go to those two places. That, that's awesome. Because yeah. those are two that, when I do my rankings, tend to perform poorly. But I do kind of get the feeling they're genuinely good, supportive people. Absolutely. Yeah. Last one. And I think this is an interesting one. Because this is, um, you know, from a marketing perspective, you could say that this is a team that has done everything wrong over the years. And that's the L.A. Rams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you get why I mean, why the, from a marketing perspective, why everything they've done is wrong, right? Yeah. They they moved to St. Louis. They played in a less than optimal venue for football. They experienced success at a very high rate. Uh, they experienced success in L.A. too, right? I mean, L.A., St. Louis. I mean, well, the original L.A. Rams, I, I've got this vague 
this is the great thing about getting older, right? Lawrence McCutcheon. And, um, I remember uh, Vince Ferragamo. Yeah, there you go. And I just thought he had the coolest name, but he wasn't number twelve, like the like. And who was the? Uh, oh God, the, some of the some of the linemen. Like was it Deacon Jones? Was he an LA guy? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Jack yeah. Youngblood played yeah. the Super oh, yeah. Bowl with yeah. a broken yeah. leg, and so yeah, those. Wendell Tyler. Yeah, I can remember. <laughs> You're better at this than I am. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to me because they changed the uniforms when they went to St. Louis. So it was kind of like, yeah, those are the Rams, but those are not the Rams I remember. And now since they've moved back to LA, they've gradually gone back to those classic uniforms that everybody liked. And I think, I think that's just indicative, but yeah, they've done everything wrong. Yeah. So if you're a current Rams fan, an LA Rams fan, do you think of where does the, uh, where does the St. Louis era fit into your memory banks? Well, the fans we talked to is it was a vacation. Okay, so uh, Kurt, Kurt Warner, Terry Holt, greatest show on turf. I think it's more important for St. Almost Louis. Almost like it didn't happen? I, I think it's more important for St. Louis to claim those people okay. than it is for Los Angeles to claim those people. So I, it's more like an expansion team now, but one with a D. It's, it's a strange kind of... Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a really weird weird deal. And it, it, we go to the, some of these stadiums, and it's weird because they will claim players that played in L.A., if we're taking the Rams as an example, and be in the ring of honor. And we're like, he wasn't a St. Louis Ram. That guy played in L.A., you know? So it's kind of, you know, I guess you take the good, but you don't want to focus on the bad part. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. So from a fan perspective, not a not an on-field perspective, who do you want to see in the Super Bowl this year? I'd like to see... Kansas City. Which, so which fan bases do you want to see sort of yelling at each other or partying with each other, other in Atlanta this year, next year? <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to see Kansas City because I think it's a great football town. And I think... And you think they'll travel? Yeah. I do too. I, you know, and I actually went to the Super Bowl in, when it was in Dallas and it was the Packers and the Steelers and you couldn't find a ticket because they travel so well. I think, I think you're going to get... If the Chiefs go... I think they're going to travel really, really well. The Patriots, maybe not. Bored with it? Yeah, bored with it. On the NFC side, I think the the Saints will definitely travel if they go uh, because of the close proximity just to New Orleans. And then if the Rams go, I, I think you will get a ton of Rams fans there just mm-hmm. because it's the, the rebirth of the Rams. But even beyond, um, so Kansas City, an interesting fan base. So who do you want to see, though? Oh, I'd like the Steelers and the Cowboys. Well, okay. <laughs> maybe, but maybe. so what fan bases do you want to see? So it's like the KC, these kind of yeah. good Midwestern passionate people. Who do you want them to sharing the bars with in Atlanta? Yeah, I think New Orleans. New Orleans? I'd like to see New Orleans go again. Small market Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think they're on the in the downside of their... Yeah, with Breeze. Uh, yeah, they're on the downside, so they need to get it while they can. Okay, so let me ask. Let me now flip this question. So, if you're the NFL, who do you want to see from a branding perspective? Who do you want to see playing in the Super Bowl? I I don't think they want New England in the Super Bowl. Enough. I I, I, I think yeah. I think it's I think it's an oversaturation of New England Super Bowls. I don't. I honestly don't think they want Pittsburgh in it. I think they want somebody fresh. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is marketable. Building that, uh, building a new brand moving forward. I, I think the Rams and the and and the Chiefs. You want uh, to have your star playing in Kansas City, though. Well, he doesn't always have to play in Kansas. City. I think. 
You've said so many nice things about Kansas City, and now. Uh, but I think Jared Goff is a marketable guy. Uh, he he plays for LA. I think they KC pro- versus LA. I think, uh, and, and it'll be a rematch of an earlier game. So I think they can bill it as round two, and then and then you can always market Drew Brees. Is this his final game? If he goes out a winner, kind of like John Elway did. Oh, how about um, Tom Brady versus? Uh... Drew Brees. I, I, uh, that would be fantastic. Loser quits match. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that would be a great game, and, and a lot of be, would be made of that. But, yeah, I, th- I, I take the Rams and the Chiefs as far as the NFL wanted to market something new. That's interesting. And, then, you know, and, and again, I don't know how that would do rating-wise. I think you would have to sell the uh, – you'd have to sell it in terms of Mahomes and sort of the stardom on the field. Geographically, you know, that would be an interesting one. But the chance to sort of reestablish a foothold in L.A. I think would be incredibly attractive to uh, to the NFL. Yeah, and the, and the stars that would come out because it's Los Angeles, they would travel and be oh, seen. sort of like the Lakers? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Again, I want to thank you for having this discussion. Rat, appreciate, appreciate what you do, love what you do, and... Um, Thanks for coming in and talking about it. And again, what's the what's the name of the book and where can people find it? Sure. The the name of the book is 25,000 Miles of Glory. You can find it on Amazon, iTunes, and anywhere else that sells books online. And I'll say this, you know, if you are a fan of NFL fandom, sort of this modern day kind of, you know, almost the most passionate thing going on in people's lives, check out the book. It's, it's really interesting. It's a great perspective. Thanks again, Rhett. Thank you.